I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for the, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. Okay, tonight we are talking to Kevin Stay, uh, artist of many facets, uh, whether it's choreography, dance, singing, acting, you name it. He is uh, known for the current uh, documentary out, Strike a Pose, that follows Madonna's Blonde Ambition dancers after the tour into current day. Um, he has worked with the likes of, of course, Madonna, Prince, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, uh, David Bowie, um, Lady Gaga, Cher, Salt and Pepper. The, the list goes on. It does. Um, and so we're, we really are excited and uh, grateful to have spoken to him. And he's currently working on a documentary um, about him and his father and a trip to China. Uh, but we'll hear all about that and more right after this break. We will be right back. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Uh, can you uh, can you hear my AC in the background, or am I fine? No, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm Stephen, and I'm seated next to my husband Matt. Hi, Kevin. Hello, hello. And just full disclosure, there are two pugs on the couch with us. If you hear snorts or grumbles, that's what that is. <laughs> okay. We have a live studio audience tonight. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> so, Kevin, um, first of all, thank you for, for joining us this evening. Um, and I just want to know uh, a little more about what is happening right now in Kevin's world artistically. Oh, my goodness. Well, it is definitely a bit of a transition, uh, given that the normal structure of things has changed over the past year and a half. Um, I am still currently uh, creative director for Perry Farrell and sing vocals for him uh, and work with his band Kind Heaven Orchestra. Uh, dance whenever I can. I'm actually shooting a video this Thursday for um, uh, Dan and Shay, the country group. And uh, I choreograph throughout the year for various shows and things. And uh, I am focusing most of my extra time right now on a documentary that I shot several years ago um, that I've had kind of sitting in my in my hard drives. <laughs> this needs to get out. I need to finish this. And can you can you at all divulge what the documentary is about? Yes, definitely. Uh, it, it's about a trip that I took with my father to China. Um, our first trip together ever. I didn't grow up with him. Um, and he escaped from China uh, in the early 50s uh, during a communist occupation and then um, from Korea in the Korean War uh, to immigrate to America. And it's kind of, it was an experiment to get related and, and, and get closer to someone that you think you already know. Right. You know. um, I'm, assu I, I'm assuming the escape was fairly uh, a story in itself of how that even happened. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he, 
his father was a dentist, doctor, photographer, um, quite well to do in their small little village. And when, um, when the communists came in, they lined everyone up that had any sort of education or wealth. And the villagers then just said, guilty or innocent, and went down the row. And if you were guilty, you were beaten to death on the spot. Oh, and yeah, out of the 200 or so people they lined up, uh, my grandfather and one other man were the only two to survive. Oh, my God. And uh, within a year, like his, his, my dad's mother, my grandmother died uh, while he was uh, in prison, basically. Um, and then when he got out, he made a plan and they escaped in the bottom of a boat over to Korea. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like nine days or something in the bottom of the boat and they made it over. Um, and they even made it to the U.S. eventually after they escaped the Korean conflict um, with seven pennies in their pocket. Wow. And, and so this this documentary is a trip back to um and, and the memories have probably come up from uh, a return, right? Well, I had never really asked him kind of really the stories of his childhood and, and what he really went through. And um, I said, you know, don't, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me all, the, all your memories. Tell me in the places where they happened. Um, and it doesn't exactly go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever does. <laughs> the goal was to really get connected and to discover love for this man who was my father who I didn't grow up with I didn't see him from when I was four until I was 18 um, and then we've, we've had sort of a, a Thanksgiving birthday kind of relationship where we see each other at holidays and yay love love happy happy but do I know you do I really know you and I don't want you to move on or you know and, and leave without me ever having made the effort to know you the real you and um so my intention was to just go and get all these stories. Yay, happy, happy Disney. And uh, it got way, way, way deeper than that. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a challenging relationship ever since, honestly. But, but I love him so much more than I ever thought I possibly could. I don't like him as much as I did before necessarily. Um, but I love him so much more and I love the real him and I know who he is now and I know some of the challenges he's been through and he goes through and even just on an emotional level. Um, and that, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a deep, deep, deep journey, uh, where at the, you know, by maybe halfway through the movie or through the, my, our, our prison trip, really all these stories, all these memories, all these things that I thought would be so important to discovering who I am and discovering my past, our family's past, our histories. And, you know, that would give us so much about who we are. None of it made any difference. None of it made, meant anything. None, wow. like nothing at all. And, and all that was left was just this relationship and the sort of like really stark honesty of who we are and who we are as people. And that our past really have nothing to do with who we are. Right. That's ugh. we can expect this documentary out to watch it this time. It's never this year. Oh gosh, well, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to finish it this year. That's my goal. Um, it is. It is a very difficult process. Um, you know, it, it's it's a difficult process. I mean, there's so there's so much I could be saying, but there's also so much that I have to like. I keep pruning and pruning and pruning and like, is this important to us or our family or to the message or to the story? 
you know, you know, the process of documentary is insane because it's just you have you have such an overwhelming amount of footage always. Um, but uh, yeah, my goal is to have it finished by the end of the year, not necessarily for release by the end of the year, but, but for at least to have the product, you know, and then be able to do what I'm going to do with it, you know. So if you escape from another country like that, do you spend most of your life wondering if someone's going to come and take you back? No, not at all. I mean, I, he was, he was young enough, you know, I think when he came to the U S he was like 18 or something. Right. Right. Uh, like, I don't think he ever thought that, you know, anyone's going to you know come from China to America to take them back. Um, yeah, no, I, I the, the funny thing is, is like, you know, he never looked back. The reason why he, was, he wasn't talking about China <laughs> and, and all these stories is because in the end, he's like, why would I talk about China when I live in paradise? Right. I, I live in America. I live in the land of the free and absolute paradise. Why would I look back? And right. that was that was weird for me being this child, this child who didn't grow up with any sense or understanding of of Chinese culture or what my background was or my family's background was. And so I always had to make it all up. And in my mind, it was just a lot of fantasy, you know, you know, even the even the, the story of 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 coming over here was so, it's, it's fantastical and it is amazing it's incredible but it is just that it's a story um, and if and it comes down to really loving somebody and finding out who somebody is um, the stories have to disappear and you just have to see who they are it's it's interesting Matthew is currently um... uh, I just I was not going to bring that up but. Yeah, I'm I'm currently writing uh, hours and hours of my 86 year old father's um, life, and it's interesting having um, from recordings he made from recordings that he made. He's still alive, but it's interesting uh, getting to know him from those stories. And of course, you know we've had differences along the way, uh, mainly uh, in in the red and blue states of America, if you if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, ta- it takes a lot of uh, forgiveness and understanding for sure. You know, even in my, during my last interview with him, when I pulled up to his gate and there's a giant Trump sign across his gate. And I was just like, oh, OK. Oh, wow. OK, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. And it, it, it just it gave me a lot more perspective for the, a lot of people that, you know, again, a lot of people that voted Trump just because I know my father is he's a loving man. But he's also very easily manipulated, very easily told what to do. Like he likes to be told what to do, right? You know, and that's kind of, you know having some, someone sort of tyrannical like Trump around is probably right up his alley. You know, right. he comes from a very tyrannical household. With my my grandfather it was you know he, he beat him and and uh, you know laid down the law, even though he's a he's a you know a, a minister and all this stuff, but you know, the beating and physical abuse had nothing to do with, you know, being a man of God or Christian, like missionary Christian, Christianity is very uh, hardcore. <laughs> it's not for the faint hearted. It's not love, love, hug, hugs, hugs. It's just do as we say. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so even, even that, you know, that journey of just like getting across that line of, you know, just pulling up to that Trump sign was like, do I turn around? <laughs> do I go home right now? Because I don't know if I can handle this. Uh, but uh, but in the end, again, it, it doesn't. None of it, none of it matters. None of it matters. You know, and you've had such you've had such a beautiful journey of really 
being who you want to be and expressing yourself in a way that you can sort of have, I'm sure, peers that you can talk to about things and be open about things. And um, so many people, I'm sure, look up to you and you've been such a role model in so many facets of the arts that I'm sure um, making this documentary and in, in I, I would imagine it opens up something in yourself of seeing how uh, not fortunate, but just how blessed you've kind of been in this journey to actually be able to do the things that you've done in such a bold, beautiful manner. Well, I definitely had to check my privilege. <laughs> you know, I got to China thinking, oh, I mean, I'm going to my homeland. It's my people. And, and instead, I kind of approached it like Disneyland, like, oh, look at this and look at that. How funny is this? How fun is that? And it really wasn't, it didn't give any re really respect or, or I think initially uh, to the culture itself. And I was trying to get what I was trying to get uh, sort of at the expense of understanding some of my father's culture, um, and which is a very Caucasian perspective. And, uh, you know, I came at it from a, a, a very touchy feely, talky talky, almost new agey kind of way. And that wasn't really his background at all. Um, and I realized that, you know, that that actually separated me from him a little bit, not didn't really bring us together as much as I thought it would. Um, he's always been game this whole time to like to play ball though. Like he will always try everything I ask him to. And I, I gosh, I love him for that. Um, yeah, I, I do feel very privileged over the years, you know, to have grown up the way I did with my mom and 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 the very liberal outlook that she gave me well-rounded and also had my schooling being very well-rounded going to school in singapore um and i know that i wouldn't have had those opportunities had i grown up with my father i would not be the same person i'd probably be working in a restaurant just like him and, and every all of his brothers and sisters well that are either restaurateurs chefs or dentists um, right you know it it's been interesting um, talking to the different artists uh, that we've had the privilege of talking to of, of the aha moments, the, um, the like, oh, this is what I want to be uh, moment. And what was that for you? Ha, I don't know that I've ever had it. <laughs> I think it's right now. <laughs> it's always, I suppose it's always in the moment. It's like, what am I choosing right now? What do I want, what do I want to be? Well, I guess that's, that's the daily, that's the aha thing. Um, I, you know, there was one moment definitely on tour with Madonna, you know, in Houston when those lights went off and, and the screams lasted for 10 minutes. We couldn't hear the show. We couldn't hear the music. We couldn't start the show. It was so loud. Uh, they couldn't hear anything even within their headsets. Um, and it, that energy and that, like that, that power coming at us was it was monumental. And, and there was something about that moment that was addictive. It wasn't like, I want to do this. Like that, this is for, it was more like this moment is addictive and this energy is addictive. And I want to feel this forever. Like it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. Sure. Um, I don't know that it was, it, it, it wasn't, there wasn't the time in that moment where I was like, I want to, I want to dance forever. It wasn't even that it was like, I would like to have this feeling forever, you know? Um, whatever causes that, <laughs> you know. Um, that was that was also very kind of early in your dance career, correct? Yes, and I had never intended to be a dancer, and I didn't call myself a dancer literally until I'm like 
I was like 30 even. I just had never, because I, I fell into it. You know, I wasn't planning on being a dancer. It was just something I did and I was good at and, and kind of competitive with. So uh, I just kept doing it because people kept giving me jobs. And then it became something where it was more like I just really enjoyed the people that it, uh, it let me be around and they became my family. And I'm still with and working around a lot of the same people that I was working with back in the early 90s even to this day. When you're on tour like that, is it physically just grueling and tiresome to show up at another city and just put on the show? Or, or does it seem like it's uh, not a vacation, but like, oh, we're seeing the, the world, we're flying around the country and doing some shows? The, the grueling part was going out every night and going to clubs and going to bars and late night after hours and seeing the dawn in the streets of Barcelona. <laughs> right. And then doing the show. <laughs> that was what made it exhausting. Yeah, because um, yeah, we were out all the time. And I Madonna would be off in bed getting her rest, you know, very responsible. And we would be out whooping it up, you know, traipsing around the streets of Paris or stumbling high in Amsterdam. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it really was our, our extracurricular activities that, that made everything a little more, uh, challenging. And you, you just recently, uh, and I was like, it's been a couple of years now, I, you know, it's, it's hard when I say recent because we've lost, you know, a year and a half to this pandemic and yeah. I'm like, what is recent anymore? Um, <laughs> what felt recent has been a couple of years is what I'm trying to say, but Strike a Pose is the documentary uh, about the backup dancers on the Blunt Ambition tour and that you were a part of. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I couldn't wait to see it, first of all. Um, and I, we have seen it several times. Love it. You, you all were just as important, if not more so, than the central figure in that that truth or dare movie. They were never in the back. No, never. <laughs> because for well, so for I mean, so I, many of I, us, I, yeah. For, I'm so sorry. I, for so many of us, again, it 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 was like a see it to be it kind of. You don't. You didn't see gay people, um, anywhere. Yeah, and, and, and she gave us that platform. I have, I just have. To, I, mean, I just have to keep saying. You know, she gave us that platform, and more even more than 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 Madonna, Alec Ashishin forged that platform i think you know he really had an eye for uh you know the unseen and and what what the real story was behind just what was happening you know day to day on tour um i we were very lucky we were very fortunate to we were we were fortunate we were also chosen well let's say that we were chosen well because we were very comfortable with who we were and who we wanted to be and comfortable with being ourselves uh, in life and on camera. Um, and, uh, and that's what shows. I'm, I'm thankful that we had that platform and that opportunity um, to make that stand for others. Oh, I mean, life changing for someone, let's say like me or Matt growing up in the country and, you know, not having access points or understanding or visuals to kind of understand, you know what I mean? It, it, it uh, life affirming, life changing, life saving, I'm sure. Well, the first time that I saw the choreography and the dancers 
I mean, I, and I we love my Madonna, but even outside of that, the storytelling in the concerts that we watched for me as someone who was not in the closet, but a very religious uh, upbringing, um, it was life changing to see. That's actually how I really fell in love with. I guess I would even say theater was seeing this grand storytelling on stage that was not really a concert because uh, all of you, uh, all of the guys were just doing these amazing things. I, I never forget uh, the, the ballet uh, classical moment. And I, I think it was a transition between like a prayer and something else. In, yeah, Papa Don't Preach. Yeah. Oh my God. The biography right there, just with the boys was beautiful. That was my stress moment every night because <laughs> we were we were wearing those Doc Martens. So to try doing try doing ballet in Doc Martens is right. uh, it was it was not easy. It was much harder than it even seemed. It wasn't like we were da wearing dance shoes. It was like we were full Doc Martens and those those you know outside turns and you know ponche to the floor. <laughs> And that was Vincent Patterson choreography, correct? Yes, yes. Vincent Patterson really, really brought the theatricality. You know, his background is is theater direction and staging, and and uh, it always shines through with his choreography. I think that was his real strength throughout his entire career was his ability to to direct his own choreography. And up until that point, very few people had done that. Um, you know, Fosse was a clear example of somebody who was given the opportunity to direct his own choreography. Um, I think more of that needs to happen now, actually. Well, I think what was not, I, well, unique was it's, it's storytelling through dance, which any good choreography is. Um, but, but that's Vincent's uh, theatrical background. I think right around that time he had done or was about to do uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Right, um, after, yeah, after, after, after. Okay, yeah. um, I know we saw that uh, incredible. Oh, you so okay, so you so you're on tour. That's one thing. You're you've gotten used to maybe how to go out in Barcelona and then still show up for the call <laughs> and get through the show. But do you have like a do you have like a, a an extra boost of adrenaline like the night you have to actually be on the MTV Video Awards doing something like on fleek? That's like okay, guys. <laughs> This is it. Yeah. Thankfully, you didn't know about a little thing called YouTube back then. <laughs> I mean, the MTV Awards were not quite as big a deal yet, I think. Right. You know, uh, and certainly I hadn't, at that point, I don't think I had done an award show yet. Or at least I'd done like, I did like the GQ Man of the Year Awards or something, which wasn't wasn't even televised. I think that's the only thing I'd ever done as an award show. Um I still was not particularly taken by all the work we had done because I got home and I just started kind of just started working right away. It wasn't like anything had changed. I kind of got, I was working, 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 and then looked up and here we are again doing another gig. Um, so it wasn't, it didn't feel like, oh, we're doing something so special. Right. I knew it felt amazing. And I knew, it, I knew it, it, it felt like a, when we were in rehearsals, it felt kind of electric. Like it felt fun is what it felt. It felt like, oh, this is going to get them. You know, this is going to, this is going to really turn them on. This is going to like, you know, throw them for a loop, you know? And I, I, I really dug on that kind of vibe. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be legendary and last forever. And people will remember this forever. It wasn't like that at all in rehearsals. Um, but, uh, and it now didn't I can seem, watch it on my phone every night. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't, certainly doesn't seem, it didn't seem like, uh, like it was um, high stress. 
like because the the choreography was so easy and it wasn't like it wasn't like you had a million turns and leaps and kicks and jumps and crazy transitions it was it was simple it was easy we could live in our character and you know um vince patterson made very clear from the get-go that we were to live in our characters and bring our stories and bring a story to uh to the moment right um, more than the dance and and my goodness, I I think I if I recall this correctly, um, that was I think you're right. The MTV uh, awards weren't as as big a deal then, but I think they were after that. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> that became the first like that I recall performance at a VMA that they then just kind of put out as a video and played in you know the the uh, cycle of videos throughout the day. Um, True. Because True. like, oh my gosh. It so, was it was played at JR's in DC. Oh, all the time. Yeah, all the gay bars. Um, but <laughs> but of course YouTube back in the day was, you know, me putting in my VCR tape and hitting record, you know, on the things that I wanted to watch later. Um, of course, YouTube, that's had billions of hits. Uh yeah. it's it's incredible and it's it's um there is an ease to that performance of, of there's a kind of Fosseyism that going on in there and the, the clump, uh, the machine kind of clump that moves mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. um, it is kind of like, you know, elegant and suave and an iconic performance to be sure that I'm, I'm sure you're glad to have been involved with, but this is, I want to go back to, um, strike a pose because mm -hmm. why it was so important to see um it, i i truly yes of course being a madonna fan i watched truth or dare a lot but i swear and matt I, you have not heard this this isn't the first time you're hearing this um kevin but you guys were just as much uh the reason to watch it um getting to know all of you so to speak through what was shown by editors um, but it just was, it was electric to see you again, um, separately and then all together. And you got to kind of tour around with that documentary doing like press junkets and stuff for like a year and a half. How was, how was getting the band back together again? I mean, it must've, it was emotional, but it was also probably healing in some ways. Uh, well, definitely both of those things. Um, it was, you know, you know, it was a very special time in our lives that we only, that we share with ourselves only. Like only these only these guys got that experience. There was no sharing with others. There was no phones or videos or emails or all these things to like connect with the outside world. So it was literally just us on that experience. And it was amazing how getting us all back together in the same space, we all fell right into sort of fell into the same roles. Uh, instinctively it was like no time had passed at all um but it was, it was like no time had passed and yet a million years of wisdom had as well um it definitely was a full circle re resolution kind of moment um i didn't even real i don't think i even realized how important they were in my life until i saw them again um and then once we actually started traveling around and doing and and seeing the sh the, the 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 movie together it was it was astonishing, but it was also it also got confronting too because you know we we do fall into some of the same roles you know and we weren't always happy happy smiley all the time so yes we have fought a lot since, <laughs> um, and but it's like you know 
it, there's very few people in my life that, uh, that I can have a, a, a fight on the level that I have with some of these guys and still have, and still like jump in front of a bullet for them. Right. You know, I don't, even some of my family, I don't know if I would do that, but like for these guys, like it doesn't matter what happens between us from my end anyways, like I will always consider them like absolutely my brothers and, and I can't imagine, I can't imagine life without any of them, honestly. I mean, losing Gabriel was enough. I think that gave us all some perspective. Um, we, we all kind of mourned separately and individually um, when Gabriel passed and we, we never spoke about it. So we finally got to kind of come together and share uh, not just our own experiences, but also the legacy of, of Gabriel and his life and his beautiful art and talent and smile and, um, and share his character and who he was with the world. Yeah, that, that was a really, um, it's really emotional to watch. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix now. Um, actually, it's not right now. It's actually off Netflix. It's oh no! On, I know it came. It, it took it off uh, maybe like half a year ago or a year ago. Um, but it's on AMC Plus. Okay. Uh, and it's also on another site that I can't remember off by by heart. I can't remember. It's it's on another service as well. Um, but AMC Plus for Pride Month for June. So it, I, I don't know if it's continuing on after June, but it's definitely one of for for June. Um, and otherwise just do a search or buy it on Apple, uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can buy it, you can buy a digital copy, uh, rent it, buy it. Uh, you can buy a hard copy, all of that. <laughs> just do a search on Google. Absolutely. Do, do the work yourself audience. Um, <laughs> uh, that, uh, brings me to, I mean, you've had, it's hard to know where to start or I want to know as someone who's traveled the world and talking to someone who basically lives in Virginia, he interrupts me all the time. Continue. <laughs> I want to know like where, what is the most fabulous place you've seen in the world that you think I, I want to come back here. Or if you get a contract from someone that says, Hey, we're bringing you back to Italy for this show. And you're like, Oh my God, I, I can't wait. Are there, tell me some of the amazing places you've, you've seen. Uh, I mean, most of the places that I'm like, oh, it's an amazing place are usually, it usually has to do with an island or a coral reef or something. <laughs> right. It's usually, usually not so much about cities. Um, but, you know, again, if somebody, if somebody wanted to bring me to London or, or Rome or Milan, I would jump in a heartbeat and go. I, I, I really feel at home in those cities. Um, and I have so many friends there that I, I just, I would love to go live there again for a while. Um, obviously maybe once my, my, once my doggy has, has passed on, maybe, um, cause I don't, I don't know if I could leave her <laughs> and go work over there. And then like, if she, if she, if she went while I was away working somewhere, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to bear it. Honestly, she's my, my baby, my child, kind, she's right here. She's right here between my legs right now. <laughs> she's a, she's a chihuahua mix. Her name is Slinky. Um, she's a rescue. Um, she's 14. And she's wheezing and making little sounds, gurgly sounds, right between my legs right now. <laughs> Especially if you don't have children and you just have dogs. Uh, pe people don't get it. Well, I'm not going to try to segue into L Lady Gaga. But, like, when the, <laughs> when the news hit that her two Frenchies were, was it three? 
No, two. She has three, but I think they, they, they took two. two. They took two and and one escaped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I heard the news, your, I mean, I heart was sinks. and I knew, and and it said that she was in Italy, and I was like, oh my god, that's got to be the worst feeling in the world to know that this is happening. You're across the pond. It, 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 it would be absolutely heartbreaking. And I know because when, when I was in Italy doing TV back in the mid 90s, my roommate called me to tell me that my dog had gotten out and was hit by a car and killed out in front of my house while I was gone. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was, I mean, I was attached to that dog, but not anything like I am to this dog. Like, I, those are, those are, those were dogs and I love them. And this is my child. <laughs> and, I'm very aware of how connected I am to this dog. And, and this year of quarantine has definitely given me perspective about, you know, the love and, and companionship that she provides. And, you know, I, I, I took a road trip with her and, and, you know, showed her the world for a minute and, and um, yeah, trying to spend as much time with her as I can. And I know I, I would have without, without COVID, I would have been on tour all last year. So I'm, I'm looking at it like a, a, a grace that I was given the opportunity to spend time with her and just, just be here. Like the stupid things, like literally just falling asleep with her, you know, breathing in my face. <laughs> it means everything to me. It means absolutely everything to me. I have to tell you just quick side note. We had a pug for 13 years. His name was Buddha and he was just our, our child, you know, and when he passed in 2015, like we swore we would never get another. And then we got two. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> because you know why not uh they're half brothers they are now five years old um but they during this quarantine how close you get to your pet i mean they're your therapist they're your child they're mm -hmm. everything that gets you through the we, we went away last weekend to see a it was, it was about a three-hour trip. We drove down and saw an, a version of Always Patsy Klein out in the park. We came back, and the dogs were a mess. They were like, where have you been? It's been a year. <laughs> we have not left them that long for no, the year. No, no. <laughs> and they were almost speaking English. Like, they were, like, <laughs> you know, um, doing everything they could. So we, we totally get you. We totally get that bond with the animals and what um, – yeah what that's about and other i hate when other people don't get it they're like they're just dogs no no yeah no no, no. Le leave this house um <laughs> and if i have to say you know if, if anything ever does happen to slinky like i i will need all the outreach and hugs and messages i can possibly get because i already know i'm like i've been i'm trying i've been trying to prepare myself literally for years just trying to kind of find a space where it's okay or like you know uh, anyways yeah if something ever does happen <laughs> please reach out everybody <laughs> absolutely um so tell me so you were in the film version of rent um yes. that that of course beloved jonathan larson musical uh lots of star wattage in that uh film what was that like uh putting that iconic like, broadway show uh, what was filming like? What was the set like? Um, it was a very family set. I have to say that it was a very, very important moment in my life. Uh, my grandmother had just passed um, and I had, I was on a trip around the world and they called, I said, I told my agent, I said, the one thing you can call me back, you can call me back for is rent. And I made it halfway around the world and was in the countryside in Cappadocia and Turkey and those little fairy tower 
pillar things and and they called me i was like of course i'll come do it and um i came all the way back and still like processing that my grandmother had died and and walked onto the set of just love and relatedness because the original cast was there and they've known each other for so many years and for them this is a full circle moment and it's kind of you know reunion for them and so it wasn't like you know a cast that was just sort of made up you know on the spot it was like a cast that had been there for you know for years and years and years and and on top of that the rest of the dancer cast the skeleton crew and everyone that i joined uh are also old old friends of mine for many 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 years um it was a very healing process and very supportive and everyone i spoke to of course the the you know the the piece itself deals with death and right, suffering right. and 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 all this and so in the movie itself was processing the same sort of grief that i was um it was it was a very easy set uh, it was it was very low stress um and it was very connected a lot more than than other sets i've been on it's very very connected everybody was they everybody knew each other so well that it just it didn't feel like uh, it didn't feel like work. It felt like it felt like a reunion therapy. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it felt like therapy for sure. It probably felt and a it, lot different than the set for Naked Boys singing. Yeah, so it's just a lot more stressful. <laughs> what What was that like for you? Uh, I was a last minute addition. I was doing a commercial with the director Troy Christian. Um, he asked me and I was like, well, sure, why not? You know, I, I thought it was, you know, I hadn't seen the, I hadn't seen the musical, but I was like, you know what? The, the main, the main drive of my choice was I would like to be more, I would like people in general in the world to be more comfortable with male nudity and have it be less of a hang up and an issue. And I would like it to be less of a hang up issue for myself too. So why wouldn't I want to go out there and sort of be a stand for this sort of what seems like this progressive thing, which is male nudity. And um, I said, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll do it. Just give me a week. I need, I need to like get to the gym. <laughs> right. And <laughs> if it's going to be on film, <laughs> I, better do this. I better do this okay, at least. Um, it was uh, not what I expected because once we got in there, it wasn't until a couple of days into rehearsal that I realized that we were doing it in front of a live audience. Oh wow! I, you know, he told me it was a movie. I thought, oh, it's a movie. We'll do. We'll be on set. We'll be in a, in location. A set. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like in a in an apartment somewhere, cleaning. You know, being the naked maid, cleaning some. You know, some apartment for real. No, we are in actual theater space with live audience in with the middle of winter uh, with the with the front door open and the back door open for the cables the electrical cables to come oh in no, so, any, no. so anytime that there was any little breeze it was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. like christians uh, troy said that um troy said that the hardest part about editing that movie was ball continuity <laughs> testicle continuity because of those breezes in sure. the middle of winter it was crazy Wow, um, it I, I, you, I mean, you get very related to you know your castmates, you know, when you're standing around naked together. Um, but actually, the strangest part about doing the filming part uh, was 
that the the times I felt most comfortable were the times when there were people that I knew in the audience. Oddly, I know when it was just like random people that I didn't know staring at me from the audience. That's when it was strange. But then when the people I knew that that I knew in the audience, and I was like, "Oh, this is fine now. Okay, at least at least Addy is here or somebody." You know, um, <laughs> and I did not expect that. <laughs> it's got to be a whole psychological process of like, uh, you know, emotional nakedness and physical nakedness combined. Um, that's probably pretty freeing, I would imagine. Yes, I mean, I, I, I've done plenty of naked photo shoots and you know showgirls was basically naked we had you know thongs on um and you know i've been around enough naked that it wasn't that huge of a crazy deal for me but it was um once once the sort of performance side is turned on i could be wearing a chicken suit or completely naked it doesn't matter you know <laughs> that's right you were daryl in the showgirls another yes iconic famous film <laughs> um that was that choreography who did the choreography in showgirls i should just google but could you tell me yes that was marguerite derricks who i've been working with since 1989 uh we loved that choreography in showgirls <laughs> and would imitate it quite frequently that came out sometime around when Matt and I first met, it's always that double crossing in front of the face move. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's my favorite too. Oh, yeah, Marguerite, Mar Marguerite currently does, Marguerite does um, Marvelous Miss Maisel right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. That we have working. a friend working on that right have, now. Yeah, we have a friend working on that. I thought you were going to bring up my, my performance in Naked Boys Singing. So I didn't know if you felt <gasps> comfortable enough to talk to Kevin about I Naked don't Boy want singing. Kevin to Google my photos <laughs> but I yeah I was in the, the Washington DC premiere of Naked Boy singing and of course in Washington at that point we didn't know what kind of like what that show was because it, you know we were like what is this my straight roommate went and auditioned with me we both got called back and had to audition together naked I'm the gay one, he's the straight one. And while we were doing the choreography, he kept looking at me and saying, you're naked, you're naked. <laughs> I love that oh you didn't God. know what it was gonna be because I feel like the title's pretty clear. Well, I mean, in the well, sense of like, you know, what, is there an arc? <laughs> I mean, it is pretty, it is pretty clear. Um, I didn't, and I remember I didn't, I mean, asking you, Stephen, what did you think of the show? And you said, I didn't watch the show. I only watched people in the audience watch you. <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, it was, it was which, odd. Which part did you play? Which part did you play? I was, I think it was called Window to Window. I was the guy stripping oh, okay. from the window. So I came okay. out with clothes and then got naked. Oh. And same difference. I mean, same thing. We were in this, like, busted, well, not busted, but this old uh, black box studio space and, like, downtown dc the concrete was cold and everyone was always trying to warm themselves up because everyone was having mm -hmm. like shrinkage yeah <laughs> anyway cold in the middle the, the, putting on this show in the middle of winter is just a disservice <laughs> yeah producers yeah. take note yeah take note yes um, but that's the old me now i kind of look like the mother from bewitched <laughs> What's her name? Andorra? Yeah. Andorra. I love it. I mean, it. her outfits. Yeah. Caftans and yes. moo's. Yes. Especially post-pandemic, you know. 
Um, I want to talk to you. I'm mindful of your time, but I want to hit um, that Rogue Romeo. Um, that, I, I know it's been some time since that your albums came out, but big fan of your sound and the, the music. Can you tell me like about the, the development of that persona, that title, that uh, what, what kind of brought you to that Rogue Romeo? Um, well, I really uh, made a conscious choice to not use my name as my uh, artistic name because mm-hmm. I didn't want my I didn't want my ego tied to tied to my art. Um, right. I didn't want it to be about this cult of personality, like oh, it's Britney Spears and oh, it's Ricky Martin. Like it it it, it doesn't it didn't seem very healthy for a lot of people. <laughs> there was not a lot of success stories around that. Um, and I thought also, if I gave myself this sort of alternate name, I could craft it as I want. I could, I could, you know, share something fantastical as well as something real. Um, I've mentioned this before elsewhere, like, but what I found when I allowed myself to sing under that name was that I actually sang things that were far more truthful to the reality of myself or my art or like, than I, I, I would have if I had used my name, I think. Um, it, it gave me permission to share on a level that I hadn't given myself permission before. Um, the name I just chose, I, I, I wanted it to be a bit, you know, uh, from the subconscious. So I wrote out words, 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 and then pieced things together. Like, you know, over, over time. I just, and then it's kind of, sometimes I do that even with my music. You know, I'll sit and sit and sit and listen to this, listen to the music, listen to the music, listen to the music until an emotion comes or until words come. I'm not trying to, I don't, I let the music bring up the emotion in me first before I write the song rather than kind of having the song and trying to force it into a format. Um, but yeah, I, I had a, a really incredible time um, working with um, Stephen, Stefano Borzi in, in Rome. Um, and then, um, here in Los Angeles as well, um, with Guy B over at um, Temple Base and uh, lots of different producers, you know. Uh, overall, there... I think the, the important part was to give myself permission. Like I didn't, I, you know, my musical icon really is Prince. And so he, he was very cross genre um, and really, uh, it was more about the expression more than trying to create a concept album. Um, and uh, I looked to I looked to his history and background for my own permission to just do what felt right and express what needed to be expressed. And you got to work with Prince. I did. I did. Um, for about two and a half years, I worked on um, uh, Ulysses, which is a big, big dance show that he did. We were supposed to tour with, and then also with uh, Erotic City at Glam Slam in uh, downtown Los Angeles, where he would give us his new music unreleased and we would create dance numbers for it. Wild and sexy dance numbers every Friday night. <laughs> and how was it working with like such an idol of yours? Oh my God. I, I, I mean, it was just, it's still, it was my dream job. Absolutely my dream job. We didn't get paid much, but it was the thing I looked forward to the most. Like, I mean, that the energy, the crowd, the music, the songs were so incredible. And then just, you know, we knew we were good. So we would just, we would like going out there to, to kill and kick ass every night. 
um yeah it just it i would do it again in a heartbeat <laughs> if it was if the opportunity was there i mean i would uh those yeah. days i mean such an incredible artist uh that uh, you know who am i to even say anything about it you but you've god you've worked with so many different my god i'm just looking at your this is what i'm saying it's it's hard to like pin you down into one area you have so many um between janet jackson share salt and pepper whitney houston rihanna debbie gibson um gloria stefan michael jackson i mean it, it's it's like the um the menu of the greatest hits of the 20th century um you've got to kind of live in those worlds and and dance through them and it's it's quite remarkable and that's just just touching the surface there's so much more um and i i'm just so impressed with the the uh level and and amount of work that you've done um it's got to be uh I mean, I know being an you know actor, director, writer, it's you kind of make your own work a lot of the time. Um, but but you've had this you've had uh, this circle of incredible uh, artists that you've kind of probably been able to kind of watch, glean, learn from. Um, is there is there a favorite out of all of those? Not that you're you know don't pick a favorite, whatever. But like, <laughs> is there a favorite experience? that you had along that journey um, i'm moving madonna out i'm i'm okay. on. <laughs> i mean they're they're all they're all memorable and fun in their own way certainly because you know celebrity and personality has its own entourage of wackiness you know i i i really do enjoy seeing the quirks of of people and watching them in their environment and how they work and you know especially people who who sort of buy their own legend or buy their own you know story um smell their own farts right <laughs> but i think you know the i mean the the, the, the i mean besides the, the sort of in, insane amazing places where you find yourself you're like looking out over a hundred thousand people going why did i get here <laughs> besides those kind of moments you know, one of the most sort of personal important, personally important moments for me was just doing this show called The Question here in Los Angeles for six nights. We only did six shows. And it was like, I don't, it, I've never shared anything of it because I the, the director never gave me permission to. And it's like, ah, this is actually one of the shows I'm most proud of. Like, not just because of my own work, but just because I think of, it was a beautiful piece. And, and I got to work through something really I got to work through my grandmother's death in the performance wow like actually like one of the one of the moments in, in it is where I'm proposing to uh to my my girlfriend in the restaurant and she is freaked out by it and gets up and runs away and I chase her out the door and as she she runs out the door there's another fight happening in another bar down the street and they're coming the other way and there's a fight over there and they end up shooting my girlfriend. Oh, wow. And she, and she dies on the ground in front of me. Uh, and I, and I literally had to go through that moment every night of, of her dying on the, on the ground right in front of me. Ooh, it gets me upset right now even. <laughs> um, but then I got to work through it and process the whole thing. And it was all based on a real story from, from um, 
J.T. Hornstein when he went to uh, serve on a jury. Uh, and this is the story that happened, I guess, is where there was this, they were trying to, they were, you know, the story was that this other, this other, this shot came from somewhere else, but everyone in the restaurant thought it was him because they saw him outside over this dead body. Wow. Of, of, his, of, his, of his girlfriend. Wow. And, That's crazy. Yeah. And the, then the journey of going to, to the electric chair. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense, 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 intense. Um, yeah. And, and it's those sort of experiences are the ones that I hold on to. Right. Like I have, I have fun with, oh, yay, here we are. Isn't this fun? We're on this award show. Isn't this number really cool? I got to jump out of a plane or whatever those things are, <laughs> you know, but it's the moments where you're, where I get to really process something real and experience something real and where it transcends this pop commercialism and, and, and moves into artistic expression. Right. Which pop, pop culture can be bold, but, uh, but when it's my own expression, that's when it really lands the most powerfully. Yeah, because um, I think that's, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think that's why this documentary is so important to me. Um, yeah, because when you're on Janet Jackson or Cher or salt and Peppa's thing, that's their party. Kind of, um, yeah. It's you're you're along for the ride. <laughs> you're along for the ride. You're a guest at the party. You're having fun, you know. But it's again, it's it's ultimately you're not. You don't have a ton of control unless unless I'm like you know <laughs> you know create you know the creative directive stuff. I I I love that as well because I get to like create something from from scratch. Um, but again, yeah, the pop stuff. It, there's so many cooks in that kitchen <laughs> at all times. Um, there's something very pure and personal uh, about sharing something real on stage and not even on films on stage. Right. Um, yeah. Outside of the documentary, what are some other things you're working on right now that we can look forward to? Oh gosh. You can see me on an episode of Lucifer, <laughs> but that's so small. Like it's a little moment of a flash of me. Um no, that's it, really. I mean, I have I have more shows coming up for Kind Heaven at the end of the year, but I'm not sure I can really say any dates for sure. Right. And, yeah. And yeah, there's other stuff coming up with that, but it's not I can't really share, share any of that specific information because everything everything is also a little bit on hold. Right. Also. Like, is it are we? Are we not? Are we? Are we not? Like, I don't even know what my dates for July are until the end of this month, like right. next week. Right. Uh, I, during, I was supposed to have like 10 days of 10 days on or something or 15 days on. And I have no idea what they are, which days. <laughs> <laughs> during the pandemic, it seemed like a lot of people were learning different things. Like I'm going to learn Spanish and I'm going to learn how to bake bread. Did you take on any sort of brand new vocations? Uh, I learned to be quiet. <laughs> I think, I think is the biggest thing. I learned to not be as hard on myself. There was a, a point in, in this, in this whole, you know, experience that I was like, I had to sit back and go, am I retired? Am right. I retired? Like, and it's not that I ever will because I love doing what I, what I'm doing. And, you know, if somebody hands me a gig, I'll, I'll always do it almost. Um, I, I, I had I had to come to this space where I was like, you know what, I think it might be time to simply call myself retired to then give myself permission to do all these projects that I've had sitting in my back pocket, like the documentary, uh, to focus on those creative things that I've 
kept in the background as not being my focus. Because everything, everything up to this point has always been, I have to have a businessman suit in my closet so I can be young businessman or I can be young dad or, right. you know, and I actually, that's why if you look at my pictures, I'm not, maybe not recently, uh, I haven't posted much recently, but, but I'm literally sitting here with like green hair because specifically I wanted to take myself out of that running and say, I don't necessarily want to be young dad. Uh, if you want me like this, great, but I'm going to be, I'm going to do and express myself how I want to express myself. I'm taking myself out of that space where I have, feel like I have to be ready for this commercial that I don't even want to do. Right, right. And, uh, and now I feel, I feel much happier about that. I feel more at peace. I'm still working anyways. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was a, it was a choice for myself really saying, you know what, I think I'm retired from, th from the way things were. I don't right. need to go back to this paradigm of how things were and that my I had to wait for others to give me work or to create work or or that or that I even had to fight to find work. Uh, I could literally not do anything and still have a fine life. Right. Um, so that was a revelation to me when I realized like, oh, all this time has gone by and I'm still sitting here and everything's fine. <laughs> like nothing's changed so much. I maybe I'm buying less clothes and traveling a little less, but uh, it's, it's not the end of the world. And, uh, I don't think I need to be hitting the, the rat race, so to speak, uh, as hard as I have in the past. And, and I need to give myself some freedom to create and craft this next phase in my life and who I want to be and what I want to do. That's beautiful. <clears throat> Grandpa, are you okay? No, he got choked up. <laughs> you got choked up. I did. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> We've got two more questions. One, one sure. the, uh, the, I have a question of, did you watch anything during the pandemic that was like, oh, I had time to finish the entire season of all, blah, the, blah, blah. Yeah, all of the Harry Potters? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, well, well, I mean, uh, you're really going to call me out on this. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, the Flash, Green Arrow, Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> Why would I call you out on that? That's amazing. I mean, it was early on. I was like, okay, well, I got the time. You know, I, I you know, I, I'd watched like the first season of Flash. I was like, oh, this is fun. And mainly watched it because Jesse Martin is a friend and he's in it. And I was like, oh, I want to see Jesse. And, you know, and then, and then after a while, it was like seasons had gone by. And I was like, I can't keep up with all this. And I'm like, well, now I have time. <laughs> so I did. I went back and watched. I watched every episode of everything. I didn't watch any of the Black Lightning ones yet. Um, I think it's the only one I've missed. There's no shame in that at all. Um, I'm, a, I'm a comic book nerd. I'm a superhero monster. I love, I'm just so excited that in my lifetime, I can see superhero shows and comic book adaptations that actually make sense and actually have impact and people like and enjoy and the effects are amazing. And I mean, it's just the, the giddiest, funnest little thing for me. No, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan as well. And those, I mean, I remember the time back in the 80s and, you know, 90s. It wasn't really that big of a thing. And when something happened at all, you were so thrilled, you know. Oh, my God, the X-Men have a cartoon, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> but now even like... those are even those are amazing. I'm, I remember back in like 1980 with the live action Justice League, the two part special. It was just Absolutely. like a freaking variety show or like. 
you know, Doctor Strange from like 1974 and Spider-Man from 1976. And I mean, they were just, they were horrific. Awful. Horrific. Oh my God, the worst. We should have talked about this a lot earlier. Because um, <laughs> there's, there's material there. Um, the final question I have for you is, uh, we're, Matt is also an album producer. He's producing our colleague Susan Derry's um, upcoming holiday album that's called I Wish It So. And it's a, it's got us thinking about wishes and wishes being manifestations. And, you know, mm. you could take out the word wish and put hope and it's kind of the same thing, said Dusty Springfield, wishing and hoping. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been asking all of our guests and we, it, this question and we're, so I made this like, my tactile art is like the skill level of like a really bad seven-year-old, but I made a wish box kind of like when you got made a shoe box to hold your Valentine's, you know, uh, back in grade school. So this wish box holds the wishes of every guest we've had on the show. And <laughs> now I'm working with a real artist named Sushmita Mazumdar. She has a studio uh, here in Arlington and, we're going to have uh, an unboxing of the wishes to coincide with an album release um, of this album that Matt's producing in the fall. And so, and sh sh the real artist, Sushmita, is going to like basically take each wish and make art uh, from the wish. Um, so just first thing that pops to the top of your head, Kevin, if you had one wish, be it for yourself, your family, the country, the world, what would it be? Gosh, um, I think uh, I I wish for communication and courage in my family, healing. Okay, I'm just writing it down. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful and perfect. And I, I hope it coincides with the very successful release of your emotional documentary with your father. Um, I thank you so much for your time, Kevin. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Huge fan of yours and much respect and love for you. Um, so thank you for taking your time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you thank again you. for being such a role model for, a kid like myself for so long watching you uh, grow up and be you and, and encourage so many people to be them. And you're the best. Um, all the, all the best of luck for everything moving forward. And um, I, I don't want you to be upset when you see a picture of Steven's wish box, because it really does look like a, shut up. It does, <laughs> it, it does look like a six year old, but I think, <laughs> I think that's that, why I'm working with a real artist. Okay. And I think the consciousness <laughs> unveiling of all of these wonderful wishes that we have gathered is going to be a beautiful evening of light. Yeah. Amen. Beautiful. So have a wonderful evening, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. 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 Such a great time talking to Kevin. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, we're so lucky to be able to have the hour to talk with Kevin. Yeah, I felt like we could have talked even longer, but you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I feel that way with all of our guests. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to have. So, 
If you want to know more about who we are, uh, go to www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Um, you can also find us on Facebook under Connor and Smith. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. And as we always say, turn, turn your heart, heart into art. Bye, everybody. Bye.